Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Such sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hello. I'm Kelly. And boy, it's 39 degrees out, but it's 100 degrees here in the office. <laughs> yes. I had like the warmest sweater and I've got my woolly hat and my, I had a zip, a zip up hoodie to go over the woolly sweater. And uh, I, I want to be in my tank top right now. I'm not going to lie. Always a crapshoot coming over here and figuring out what the weather's going to do to this apartment. This place should be in a, a seasonal thing between two people where you've got the one person who's always cold that stays here certain times of year and one person who's always hot that stays here during the other times of the year. <laughs> it's true. This is actually kind of my ideal living situation because I'm always cold. Uh, so I don't hate it because I'm like, man, I'm not cold right now. That's exciting. I'll tell you what, though. It was, you know, 58 degrees and cloudy yesterday and the house was freezing. It's I impossible to heat this place because of these gigantic windows. So I was just wrapped in a blanket watching movies and all that. Well, there you go. Uh, speaking of which, I watched a really fucking great movie. Um, it's on Shudder. It is a documentary, and it is called Leap of Faith. Oh. Yes, I really a... want to see this. Eric, you're yet. really going to love yeah. this. Vanessa, you might love this. Okay. This is a documentary about the making of The Exorcist, and it is narrated by William Friedkin. Oh, Interesting. And if you are under the assumption that William Friedkin has a bit of an ego yeah. and all that, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's just him talking about how fucking great he, the decisions he made for, on this film. We, we oh. almost paralyzed a young child, but don't worry, I, it was worth it. You know what? That part never came up. Funny. I never, wonder how he was going to... Never talked about uh, hurting Ellen Burstyn either, <laughs> yanking no. her across the room. No, no. Never yeah. talked about any of that stuff. He does mm-hmm. talk about... Um, Punching the priest in the face to get a good reaction, oh my God. or shooting a gun, oh, a yeah, shotgun yeah. to get a reaction from uh, Jason, Jason Miller. But really, it was just a lot of of just discussion on the technical stuff, why he made this choice. You know, I did not oh. realize that. Um, oh, now I can't remember his name. Keaton, not Michael Keaton, <laughs> but no, uh, Stacy. <laughs> Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach, thank you. That was who had been hired to play Father Karras in the film. Oh, right. And uh, Friedkin saw Jason Miller in a play and was just like, holy shit, this is the guy. And the studio basically had to pay Keach his entire salary oh my to God. let him go. Wow. Yeah. It, so there was you know, stuff like that that I thought was really, really fascinating. And I just thought it was really interesting he talks about going into the music and how many scores that were created for the film and they just didn't work there are a couple of scenes with the unused scores in it and you're like oh yeah i can see why that would not work at all wow so really really neat stuff really inside baseball stuff for for film lovers gotta see that one um well i uh saw something that was actually rather delightful and I had been meaning to see it for a little bit um, on Netflix, Enola Holmes. I, I've seen that pop up. 
I I had a text from my cousin a few weeks back and she said, this is my favorite film ever now. Wow. Yeah. She was like, this is the best film I have seen in my life. I was like, (laughs) well, I guess I could give it a whirl, (laughs) you know, to see, to see how it comes out in the wash. It is just really delightful. Good. Yeah. There's, I mean, if you need to have a pick me up, I will say like, this is just a, if you're feeling crummy, you know, dog bit you and you got, <laughs> you lost your work for the day because your computer restarted and you're still You're, you're living COVID. in that country music song again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. If you're living during COVID, this film is just, it's just wonderful. It's um, about uh, Enola Holmes, which is Sherlock Holmes's younger sister. Um, she has a very tight knit relationship with their mother. She's very much a younger, younger sister, like much younger than them. So it didn't really grow up with them around and, uh, or her two brothers, um, Mycroft, Mycroft. Sherlock. thank you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and her mother goes missing and she just on her 16th birthday and she, uh, gets a few clues and decides to follow the lead. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of about her as a female who was raised in a very feminist manner dealing with Victorian London and how much they're like, why aren't you wearing your whalebone corset? And (laughs) don't you know how to stitch and like all this stuff. And her mom like taught her how to like fight and like box and stuff. And she's just really like fumbling around. And um, the great part about it to me was seeing um, Billy Jean Williams. Is that her name? Uh, The girl who uh is the lead in stranger things forgetting her name right now yeah i can't remember her name either something very cool sounding but anyway um she is so talented and And she plays enola she does she plays enola and you can't really tell how talented she is by watching stranger things because she mostly just looks wide-eyed around a lot and seems (laughs) like confused by the world and i don't think it's a terribly hard part to play but she's actually naturally British and just so clever, so good, so there and present and energetic. I, I really enjoyed it. So Boy, Netflix has been good to that girl. They have. <laughs> I think they actually have been pretty good with a lot of their stars. Yeah, sure. That's pretty cool. I, well, I've got something kind of almost along the lines there. Um, but uh, definitely different. <laughs> Veronica Mars. Oh, my God. Wait, the movie or the show? The show. My wife and I have been watching that. I think I watched it a year or two after it originally came out. Sure. And I was like, Dana, you need to watch this. You're going to love it. She never, like, whatever, go ahead, just watch it. So I was like, she saw something, a trailer or something. I was like, have you seen that one? Yes, (laughs) yes. We're going to watch it now, finally. (laughs) And she loves it. Absolutely loves it. It's, It's good. And the part that blew me away is at the time I watched it it hadn't fully developed but man that show is full of oh that person went on to do great things oh that person went on to be it's like like whoever was the casting agent in that show knew their shit but uh it's I remember very little from the first time I watched it so it's been a lot of fun to watch it's incredibly well written it's got a lot of a buffy feel to it yeah it's a lot because the main dynamic is uh Veronica and her dad, which is very Giles and Buffy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a great male dad figure as opposed to, you know, dads and moms and teen based shows are often props that are sort of on the side, but he's a main 
purpose and his main point, and he's really well done. And Veronica's great, and it's just really smart. And I, I never really even knew what the show was about. Her father was the sheriff of a town and got in trouble because he blamed... It's a super, super wealthy town, like billionaire kind of class. Mm-hmm. And he got in trouble because Veronica's friend was killed and he accused the wrong people of killing her. Mm-hmm. So he was ostracized from the shrimp, so now, or from the sheriff, so now they're <laughs> private detectives. Oh. She work, they work together. In the same town or they have moved yeah. to a different... Same oh, town. Okay. And they're, so they're working together... And in the background, he's always working to solve that murder. And her uh, mom went away because of it as well. So Veronica's trying to figure out why her mom's gone. So it has this very strong ongoing story with very nice little, like she does, she helps people out of trouble at the school. And yeah. It's very like oriented that. around like the her classmates mm-hmm. and like what their perspective of this thing that happened yeah. in the town is as well. And so she's also kind of uncovering these clues at the same time her dad is. And she's uh, a teen detective then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And they, then, of course, you've got uh, fun guest stars. So I'm going, somebody involved with Buffy is there. Charisma Carpenter's got a <laughs> little three or four episode oh, stand. And uh, Joss Whedon makes a, an appearance as a car rental guy or something like that. <laughs> but... Uh, it's Buffy's a really good comparison. It just moves right along there. Wow. I might have to check that it's out. On a Hulu. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I went back a little further in my TV watching history this week. Um, Vanessa, you were not even born when this show came out, <laughs> and there'd be no reason for you to have known about it because uh-huh. it's been impossible to find. Eric, you might remember this, and okay. people like, Craig and maybe Danny might remember this show called Cliffhangers. It only lasted for 11 episodes in 1979, and it was my favorite show while it was on. It was set up, hour-long show, with three different stories going on. One of them was Dracula, 1979. Oh. And one of them was called uh, The Secret Empire, which was, it took place in the Old West, but they had laser guns. Ah, Okay. (laughs) And then one of them was called Stop Susan Williams, which was uh, a a brash female reporter who was uncovering this big, some kind of uh, conspiracy that that was going to lead to something gigantic happening on this one date. Ah. And all these people, I mean, this is a worldwide group of assassins that are trying to kill her to stop this story from coming out. And uh, every chunk of the show would last for like 20 minutes and then it would end on a cliffhanger like the old serials. And it would the next episode start up there again the way the old serials did. So you'd see somebody driving down the street and their car would explode. And is this the end of Susan Williams? (laughs) And uh, the next episode would start with that same scene. And then she'd jump out of the car just of before course. it exploded. A very misery. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I loved this show. And I thought that I remembered that they had made a, um, out of the three stories there, the Dracula one was the only one that actually finished its story before it was canceled. Uh-huh. And so they had collected that into a movie, basically. So I was looking for that to find and I found that somebody in August of this year, some fucking hero, <laughs> posted all 11 episodes of the full series on YouTube. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, it's not the best quality. Sure. But, but 
the strongest part is the sound, which somehow makes some of the bad visuals okay. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, it's got some. Um, it, it looks like it was recorded off of a VCR, and now somebody transferred that to digital and uploaded. Somebody it. during the being trapped in their home decided to go through all their old boxes and right. found this DVD. Right, and you, so think about, you think about this, and you're like, why? Why is it so hard to get these shows up? Well. Fucking, it cost, you know, $2,500 for a VCR player back then. So you didn't yeah, have one unless you were super rich. And then you had to also account for what a person like that was watching and what they would bother taping. And so yeah. they probably weren't taping the shitty NBC series that only lasted <laughs> 11 episodes. Well, somebody did. Somebody uploaded them. And I've made my way through about five of those. All I wanted was that Dracula one. I'm totally in on the other two stories again. Aww. I'm having such a great time. And, and, you, and you get the advantage of knowing, okay, I'm not going to know how this wraps up. Right, except for the Dracula <laughs> one. But the best part, and I loved this so much then, and I love it now. I loved when Star Wars came out. Well, when it first came out, it was just Star Wars. But then, like, on its second run or something, it was suddenly Chapter 4. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember looking at my mom and going, what? What, why is this episode four? And she goes, there must be three episodes before it. And my 10-year-old my brain just exploded. Um, these, this show, the very first episode, starts on chapter four of Dracula, chapter oh. five of The Secret Empire, and chapter six of Stop Susan Williams. Oh, my God. And then it just goes on from there. And so that gave them the luxury of just kind of Pretending that you knew what had happened up to these points. Oh, my God. And it was really smart. And I just, I thought it was a really neat storytelling device. I thought it was a really neat show. And I think that there are probably, some of our older listeners are are going, oh, shit, I forgot about that show. It's on YouTube. Look it up. Cliffhangers. I may have to check that out because I, I don't remember that. But then I could pop in like the cockroach one where and I see a shock. Oh. Right. I know this. <laughs> right. Well, I'll just say this. The Dracula story is definitely by far the strongest story. And it's uh, Michael Dory as Dracula. Oh, wow. And he's mm. just a very handsome, suave. He's a professor in this one. And there is a relative of Van Helsing that is trying to hunt him down. And, and nice. his assistant's mom was killed by Dracula. But then we find out he loved her mother also. And oh, all my this God. Stuff is, it's a super vampire soap opera. I'm loving it. Oh, that sounds really amazing, actually. Uh, God bless YouTube, by the way. Like, they <laughs> no they kidding, have, man. like, the yeah, there's a lot of just lost stuff that, like, is in rights limbo that will just yeah. pop up there. And it's just the next TV, I guess. Um, well, I saw another film. Uh, Eric, have you had a chance to talk? Yes, you did. You talked about Ron. Yep. I, <laughs> I saw, in my ever-loving quest to get through all of the Jason movies, uh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Jason goes to hell. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a little annoyed, frankly. Oh, okay. They were just like, you know, all the rules that we've kind of loosely set up for this entire show or series of films. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. See, I don't, by that time, they've changed the rules like three or four times. No, so. I mean, very <laughs> strongly, though. Like this one um, where it's like Jason is actually if you like eat his heart or something, then you will become him. And then like the mask is I don't know. You, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter who you are. And then there's like a baby devil creature version of Jason that like is floating between people. It's 
Oh, weird, weird film. Oh, and then Jason has a <laughs> sister, and so she's the only one who can hurt these people who are inhabiting his spirit. It, it's so weird. I just, I was not thrilled. So it's kind of the the hidden of the Jason movies. Do you remember that movie, <laughs> yeah. The Hidden? Um, I have a soft spot for yeah, this film, and. It's because they clearly were trying something new. They, they definitely trying something new. They saw, new. you know, Jason takes Manhattan and Which said, "Okay, rough. we gotta, we gotta do something, or we're gonna lose this." Yeah. And this was an interesting way to go. I thought it was kind of muddied by the fact that the lead actor was also the lead in the Friday the Thirteenth series. Oh. Which had no direct. Yeah, it wasn't really linked at all. Uh, yeah, no link to the films. Huh. And so that was a confusing moment. But I don't know, as a horror film, I, I was like, okay. I mean, as a yeah. nightmare, or a Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, I guess they're not even calling it that, right? They're just calling it Jason. Yeah, they just called it Jason. Some Jason. I think yeah. they lost the rights or Sean Cunningham kept that. it. That's why they were able to make the series. Um, I get how you could be annoyed. But it's a pretty bad franchise by this point. And it is, so it is yeah. pretty bad. Although it's really irritating because the movie before Manhattan, I'm not quite remembering what it was now, but was actually pretty good. That was the new blood with the telekinetic girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was it. Yeah. I, I remember it not being. Yes, you're right. And I remember it not being the worst. And then I was like, what happened? Like. Jason takes Manhattan. Like, Oof, how does the so Crystal bad. Lake feed? I'm, I'm just need the geography. Oh, where is figure. Crystal Lake? I mean, Crystal Lake <laughs> is obviously somewhere in New Jersey, I guess. But like, it. <laughs> Boy, that really changes the concept of it being crystal. Right, <laughs> right, right. And and I just, it's not a lake if it connects to an ocean. Right. It's no longer a lake. So if it can go into the fucking Statue of Liberty area. It's got to be like a river or like well, something different. Lakes can have rivers that flow off into it and out of it. I guess so. I just didn't lakes get that. Lakes are not ponds that have no <sighs> feed or no exit. I guess you're right, but it just does feel <laughs> Generally, weird. you wouldn't be able to take your yacht down that river. No, though. I mean, it's a big yeah. yacht. <laughs> no, it is a big wouldn't. yacht. It's weird that he was like, they. he somehow got where we left him last under a bridge in Crystal Lake and kind of near-ish the shoreline to... Like being kind of on this yacht thing, and then did he transfer yachts? Did he go from one yacht to another yacht? I don't remember that, yes. but he ends up wandering through Manhattan, which eventually is a, a like bad fit. Five yeah. minutes left in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. When they realized they had the, the only amount of budget that they had was uh, being used out there. I guess so. for me, the Friday the 13th movies do not qualify as movies worth critiquing, critiquing to that <laughs> level. They're just for me. They're just ones to enjoy. It's yeah. Some some are stupid and fun to enjoy, like Jason Ten and Jason Goes to Hell. Jason X. Jason that's, X. That's yeah. one of my favorites. I, I enjoy both there, of those. There. They're terrible, yeah. but they're fun. It's the ones like Goes to Manhattan or like Nightmare or Five. Like I think painful. it is that has Alice Cooper in it, where they go from being just bad. Yeah. Just yeah. Period. Yeah, I do like the ones where they're just having fun with him murdering people. Like, that's generally a lot of fun. I think, and I do think you're right. Like, they were trying a lot of new things. It just was so 
different for me that I, I guess I already had accepted what they were supposed to be from having seen eight previous ones. (laughs) And so then being like, what, what? Okay. And like, I know the guy who made it was like really young when he made it. And it was like one of his first films or maybe his first film, but it just, I just didn't like the new rule set. I felt like that was, there was a lot of new information that was coming through that just made no sense to me. So I I totally get that. I think that, um, I, the last time I watched it, I haven't watched the movies in order in a long, long time. I just go back to the ones I liked. And then I think I was like, I should give this one a try. I haven't, I remember not liking it. And Mm -hmm. then just watching it alone, I was like, this is not so bad. It just doesn't fit in as a Friday movie. Right. right, exactly. I think if it hadn't been a Friday movie, if it had just been about a serial killer, um, I think that would have been much more interesting. Sure. Yeah, because then don't they throw all this out? Yeah, well, I'm sure they anyway, might. So. I mean, I'll find out in a, sometime this week, probably. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. So that was nine. So you've got Jason X. Next. I still have Jason X, yeah. And, then, uh, Jason, and Jason versus, versus Freddy. Freddy. And then the remake of the original. So I got those three left. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting I there. I wait your reviews. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. A lot of pressure. <laughs> eh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> did I talk about seeing Possessor previously? I don't know if you did or not, but I'd no, like to hear. No, you didn't. Because awesome. I've been curious. Really? Holy shit, is it good. Yeah. Cronenberg's son is out Cronenberging his dad. Basically. Oh my God. Because, well, Cronenberg stopped being what we classify as Cronenberg True. decades ago. True. And this picks that up <laughs> and runs with it. It yeah. is body horror done right. It's wow. well worth checking out and grim and weird and dark. Yeah, I loved it. I, I thought it was, uh, that's another, you know, casualty of the pandemic is that should have yeah. gone to theaters and it should have, uh, it should have been a minor hit. And a big hit with uh, horror fans. Hmm. So I hope they'll give it a try. His last film, the Antiviral, uh, I think that was I his. I didn't dislike that as much as you did. I yeah. thought it was interesting. I didn't like it. But I loved Possessor. Possessor the concept, hmm. the idea presented in Possessor is, is a nice little poke to me where I often say, you know, if you're really looking for original ideas in movies, there aren't too many left. This is a pretty good one. The overall concept isn't remotely original, but the execution is incredibly original. It's like, holy shit. I'm excited. No, I've been really wanting to see it. And it's it's really neat. All the kids of these people, like Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Hill and, you know, different people who are popping up. And it's like, wow, you're you're good. Good job. Way to not suck. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. Should we take a little break and come back with some uh, funky food? Yes. Sure. Easy bake, easy bake, fast as you can. Mix them up, mix them up, pour them in the pan. Slide them in, slide them in, let them bake now. Slide them in, slide them out, easy bake. Wow! Only Kenner's Easy Bake Oven Set makes such delicious cakes, cookies, candy, brownies, pizza, pies, and biscuits. It bakes like magic with two ordinary light bulbs and has a special cooling chamber. Easy Bake by Kenner. We are back. 
Vanessa, this was your pick. Yeah. yeah so um, I chose for this week um, freaky food because we're in the holiday season and, you know, we're eating a lot of stuff. Sometimes sure stuff we <laughs> sometimes stuff we want to eat, sometimes traditionally stuff we don't, you know. Aunt Bertha <laughs> shows up with a weird jello concoction that she says is actually meant to go on chips and yet so funky freaky food. Whoa. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt Bertha. God damn. <laughs> I use that name because none of my aunts are named Bertha. Um so the film I decided to go with for this one, there were a lot of great options and I'm really excited to dig into other films in a future at a future time but the one I went with was one that I I'd never seen all the way through I'd only seen the end like as as played on TV at various points and that is the movie Dinner Yourself? 297. Billy, you were 297 last week. It takes some time for these diets to work. For Billy Halleck, life is sweet. Bigger is better. And too much is never enough. We're winning. We're winning. You have got to stop eating like that. I can't help it, Heidi. All I think about is food. But tonight, all of that will change. Kill my daughter, and I curse her. From the best-selling novel by Stephen King comes the new shape of terror. This diet you're on, what is it? I don't think you'd like it, Henry. I'm being erased. Fear the power. That old gypsy put a curse on me. It's all your fault if you hadn't hit that old lady. Beware the danger. This is getting out of hand. This has been out of hand, and I'm just the guy to put it back. Believe the curse. Please, take it off before this goes any further. I never take it off. Stephen King's Dinner. Okay. <laughs> 1996. Uh, rated R. I'm curious to hear what you <clears throat> yeah. think of this. 92 minutes in length. <laughs> it's a $4 Amazon rental. Oh, I'm sorry to hear was, that. Yeah. <laughs> the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 15%. Seems high. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a number. <laughs> Audience gives it 30%. Oh, double. <laughs> very, very different number, I guess. The budget was 14 mil, box office 15.3. It did not lose money unless they spent money at all on advertising it. Um, director, Tom Holland. Not really? that Tom oh, Holland, right. okay. obviously, but the other Tom Holland, which is probably the Tom Holland you guys know, which is uh, the guy who wrote and directed Fright Night, Child's Play at Langoliers, and some of the tales from this uh, crypt. Writer, Stephen King based off of a Stephen King story of some sort that I didn't look too far into. He's not the screenwriter, though, is he? No. No, 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 no. Screenplay by Michael McDowell and Tom Holland. So uh, Michael McDowell, kind of amazing, wrote... uh, He's only written 14 projects, but that includes Beetlejuice, uh, 11 episodes of Tales from the Dark Side, and Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, jeez. Unfortunately, he passed away in 1999. Uh... 
from a, he was only 44 years old and it was from an age related illness. So that's really, really unfortunate. Um, starring people, (laughs) uh, I thought they seemed recognizable, but in retrospect, so the main character, uh, played by Billy Halleck and a dislikable, likable lawyer, um, who you may remember as uh, being an equalizer, not that one, the 1986 TV equalizer Mm -hmm. starring as O'Toole for an episode. You might be not surprised to notice that when you say equalizer that is what i think of first. oh really it's not the uh, denzel washington film <laughs> oh i only think of denzel. original tv series that oh my mom loves that movie film was based on <laughs> home depot come on um and uh he also is in robocop 3 as robocop and plays robocop in the robocop versus terminator video game so, very I think cool. he was RoboCop in the short-lived TV series. Even. Was he? Very possible. Because that would have been a little bit of later RoboCop times. Um, he's been in 90 things, so whatever. He's actually been in a recurring uh, character in Law & Order SVU. So there you go. Joe Montanga, uh, Monte, Montagna? Montagna. Uh, playing Richie, the, the um, local gangster local mafia guy um shockingly uh that guy has been in 147 things including uh eddie in baby's day out (laughs) (laughs) he's also joe zaza in godfather coda 1990 (laughs) (laughs) um but what i knew him from was uh fat tony and the simpsons that was immediately as soon as he started i was like i know who you are (gasps) you're fat tony like he didn't he was barely there and it was so recognizable um total pleasure to watch uh lucinda jenny who plays um the hot wife she's been in 91 things as nothing (laughs) most of her roles are things like jogger professor susan's mother adult version of x character (laughs) the only thing she was really in was four episodes of 24 and seven episodes of the shield so as close to a actual character as possible uh so she's just a serial person on screen um Beth, uh, the, the, their daughter is played by one of my favorite kind of TV actresses, Bethany Joy Lenz, who was in 187 episodes of One Tree Hill as Haley James Scott, who I loved. <laughs> I saw all of that show during a time in which I was a pompous film student. And I didn't want anybody to know I was watching it. <laughs> I just had them all on DVD and was watching them back to back. I was so obsessed. I could not stop myself. Hide them under your mattress. <laughs> I did. I just hit them. If anybody came over, they were, trust me, they were not out in, out in a, a visual sight. Um, but she's great. She kind of, she's one of the best parts of this film. Um, and then you also have um, a couple of smaller, uh, well, bigger people playing smaller roles, I guess. Carrie Wooer, mm-hmm. who is in um, uh, 79 projects, including Maggie Beckett and Sliders. Huh. And she also was a voice in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is something I know her from. I don't know if you guys know her from something else, but. Well, Sliders. Sliders. From my mind. Sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I have heard that she is just a nasty human being. Really? A very unpleasant person to work with. I bet. I mean, she... But she is fun to look at. She's beautiful. And I got the sense that she is very, very good at looking at the camera and telling the camera she's beautiful. And that's kind of the, all she has to do in this one because she's playing um, the, a temptress gypsy daughter. And then last but not least, we have a very problematic character of the gypsy leader who puts a curse on our main character 
played by Michael Constantine, who has a great name. And he's been in 180 things, and he's very recognizable, but I didn't really know him specifically from any one thing. He is Gus in literally every version of uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which included a TV show. Man, that thing got, like, legs. I don't think it deserved the amount of... Anyway. (laughs) So, um... Okay, here's what's going on. <laughs> so in this movie, based on a Stephen King project, y'all, um, Is that there's a Bachman book. It was going to be a Bachman book. Oh, but then it, he got found out. That, well, I think it was the book that found him out. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't uh, know anything about this. Yeah, he was. He wrote it as Richard Bachman. Oh. Somebody outed him. Oh shoot! Interesting. Okay. Huh? Fascinating. I wish that had been in the trivia I dug up. Whatever. <laughs> So um, there is a large gentleman who's in a Norbit-like suit of fatness. <laughs> he is so unnatural. It does. It, the makeup seems look fine. Like the, it, you don't notice. Like oh, he's got like a big fat like fake belly thing. But like the way he moves his body and his face does not carry on to the putty. And so it just looks weird. Like he just looks like very shy or timid because of the way his face does not move. Um, so it's a larger lawyer man who kind of has the perfect life. He's got a beautiful smoking hot wife who is not a very good actress. He's got a amazing, fun, funny, well-acted daughter who likes to just randomly quote the Godfather at him at the breakfast table. She's super, super neat character. Um, and he just is winning his cases. He's sort of the, the pride and joy of his law firm and, um, makes a little bit of a mistake one day. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I guess we find out he's not the, I don't know if he's a bad guy. I think they're trying to tell us he's a bad guy because he helps get this, um, local mafia dude, big wig off. And he gets him off by kind of outing this other mafia guy as having, the other mafia guy was like, he's put a hit out on me and tried to kill me. But then actually his wife had also tried to. Put, anyways, so I'm like, this guy isn't a great good guy. So what does it matter if he like played around and did legal things to he didn't do anything <laughs> illegal to show off this guy was lying. But he, I mean, anyway, <laughs> I guess he's bad for helping a mafia guy win a case. He probably should have won. Fine. <laughs> The, the older thing, the other, th- yes, okay, fine. we're getting there. Shall we move on to <laughs> So, no way, you got to hear my vitriolic rage over this film after you're done. I'm excited. Nice. I'm excited for it, frankly. Um, so, anyways, so he's, he, the problem is, he goes to a fancy meal with his wife where they, he just eats, he's just constantly shoving shit in his face. To a level that isn't even human. Like, I know there are overweight people, like, because they have shows about them on TLC. But, <laughs> like, the, this is insanity. Like, the amount this guy, it's stupidly... Like, uh, Bri- was it not Life of Brian? Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Right. Where the guy eats so. until he explodes. It's very much like that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's literally ridiculous. Everything about it is ridiculous fucking ridiculous and it's stupid because you can't take it seriously because you're like waiting for a trumpet behind him to go oboe sorry oboe and finally a wafer thin mint that's right (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and so anyway he (laughs) uh, 
He was driving back with his wife after this dinner where he ate disgustingly to celebrate his big win. And she decides to give him a hand job, which turns into a blow job because she's like the best wife ever. <laughs> she like cares about his health. She like never comes down on him. She's really proud of him. She's obviously helping him raise a great daughter. She's invented like a weird, like electronic, like, system to help track his weight off of what he's eating and how he's she's really great she went on to create the fitbit <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah she looks like she would and um anyway during this blow job he looks up at the last minute and accidentally hits a um gypsy woman uh just so we don't offend everybody yeah. the correct term is roma i agree let's just go ahead and say this movie is the most insulting thing that has ever happened to the gypsy nation. Like the worst. The Roma nation. I'm sorry. You're right. The Roma nation, the Romanians. Uh, Just have it known that uh, the views of Vanessa do not necessarily reflect (laughs) the views of the other. I have no problems with the Romanian people. Uh, Travelers uh, or not travelers. When you say Roma, I think of the Mexican uh, Oscar nominated film. Oh, yeah, Roma. Oh, years ago. Roma. Okay, well, that's going to help me remember it. I think for sure. Rice Aroma, the San Francisco tree. I'm guessing you just blew up your whole point there. <laughs> I will say, okay, this is so honestly. Eric edited that out. <laughs> so the, the guy who, there's a leader, right, of the Roma. There's a leader of the. I will say it, the gypsy people, because that's how they're calling it. Yes. And we're not saying jip, so that which is really horrible and should not be said. <laughs> we're not saying so, this horribly offensive word it's I a just very, said. <laughs> very, I feel really bad saying it out loud. I can't wait until she drops a couple of N-bombs later. <laughs> I know. I've got to get it. This is bad. Anyway, everything about this is bad. So the leader has long hair, and they he kind of talks around fireplaces and... There's lots of dancing and rituals, and it's basically like somebody didn't maybe know what the Roma were or anything about them whatsoever and just decided they were actually Native Americans with, like, fun costumes. (laughs) And that is exactly how it's played. Like, to the point where he doesn't even speak English. He's, like, white man from city. Like. Yes, it's, he has long white hair and like everything about it is very Native American. They play it up so hard and they clearly have no fucking clue what they have done. It's disgusting. So just a film of extremes, shall we say. <laughs> so anyway, um, he hits this man's what turns out to be daughter, who also is a very old woman. But this guy's been around for fucking ever. Hits this woman kills her blood all over the hood of his car. And I was like, Oh, he's going to drive off. He's going to like run away. And that's going to be the bad thing. No, no. He has to drive off. Next thing we have the next morning, clearly hung around, waited for the police, admitted that he actually hit this woman or not. The bad thing is he gets off. He gets off because it was an accident, which it kind of was. Cause she did step pretty suddenly out in front of his car, but the police lie. The pharmacist, playing by played by Stephen King, lies. Um, the everybody lies about you know he hadn't been drinking. Well, okay. I mean, I guess he had been drinking, but it didn't seem like he drunk that much. It was really the blowjob that did it. Like he gets he gets off 
from this crime because I guess he did a really bad... I don't know. I think he could have logically gotten off anyway. So it was a little... Okay. So the gypsy guy's pissed because his daughter's murdered and no one is going to be tried. So he curses him. And he basically walks up to him and gently caresses his cheek and says, Thinner. 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 Just like the title <laughs> font. Thinner. Tales from the Crypt. It's the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and then, of course, so the rest of the film, um, this guy has been cursed and begins to lose a lot of weight, like two to three pounds a day, no matter what he eats. So he continues to all eat right. poorly. <laughs> and then he's, yeah, that's basically this film. It's like, all right, I get to still eat. I get to still be fat. Ha, 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 ha. What are you doing differently? Nothing. Uh, 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 uh. Like, it's just horrible. Like, people who have any kind of genuine weight, like, attempt, we've all in our lives at some point not been thrilled with our body image. And this film just is like a big F you to all of us. She's like, well, this guy gets to lose weight, but he's unhappy about it because after he starts to lose a lot of weight, it gets really bad. And okay, it does get really bad, but. Okay. Eventually, he looks like a Hollywood actress. Yes. Uh, eventually, he does. Eventually, he looks very thin. He looks very thin. And then he tries to find a way to lift the curse. Um, he kind of gets his mob buddy involved. His mob buddy takes it a little too far and kind of shoots up the the Roma camp. Does not go very well. Uh, he puts a glass of acid on the head, the forehead of the hot uh, gypsy daughter, granddaughter who's left, um, who's hanging around, who's played by our sliders actress and, um, threatens to burn her face off, but she does manage to get away unscathed. So, uh, there's that. He's just going a little far. And I think that's where the rated R comes in. Like there's just moments just near the end where like this plot gets to the point where the dude calls in his mob friend very close to the end and all of a sudden people's faces are missing and like just shit gets real um <laughs> and so finally this like sort of you know neighbor disputes your grass is you didn't mow it right well i'm gonna have my dog pee on your lawn because you it was just this tit for tat back and forth constant like thing between the definitely not a native american guy and this guy who's no longer fat to the point where finally <laughs> the not native American guy is like, I'm, you know what? I give up. I give up. Here's a pie. Here's a pie. This is how you lift the curse. I'm going to, there's going to be a spoiler now. Oh I'm no. Sorry. This film was made in 1996 and has played a zillion times on TV. So if you don't know how it ends, skip ahead. So pie he fills it with his hand blood. He's like, whoever you want this curse to go to feed them this pie. But I encourage you to keep it because this is a, a die clean die, not having done something horrible to another person. And the guy's like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> I suspect my wife, by the way, randomly out of nowhere of cheating on me with a doctor and have obsessed about this for literally no reason. Pot just super twists. From my wife gave me a blowjob in the car because she loves me no matter what I look like and no matter who I am to I'm going to murder the biatch because she looks like she was maybe flirting with a doctor one time who she clearly wasn't. 
And he's like, I'm going to murder her. I'm just going to murder her with my pie. (laughs) So off he goes to murder her with his pie. And of course, you know, it's a very twisty, twisty, twisty ending where we've got, um, he does manage to murder her with his pie. Very good. Very satisfying. She, he wakes up with her in bed. He basically leaves the pie on the counter. He's like, good night. If you love me, eat a piece of pie. I gotta go. I forgive you for, you know, everything you didn't do. She's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm gonna eat this pie. Wakes up the next morning. She's dead next to him. He Frenches her, which I was like, aren't you eating the pie right now by French kissing? And then he goes, mmm, delicious. Strawberry. I'm like, you just ate the pie, you poison. You're supposed to pass the, it has your soul curse in it. Fine. And then he goes downstairs and his daughter, who he had said, please don't stay the night. Please don't. Because she's wonderful and amazing and daily joy, whatever. Anyway, she has eaten a slice of pie. She's like, hey, dad, I, you know what? I just want to patch some stuff up with mom. Stay at night. We had a nice little chit chat. I had a girl's night. Well, how was mom doing? By the way, I just had a piece of pie. It was delicious. See you later. Off to soccer. A little He's salty like, and copper tasting. Better than that. <laughs> a little odd. A little weirdly. Yeah. Tasted a little thick and congealed in places. Don't know why, but it's fine. Um, and he's like, oh, uh, uh, let's her go. <laughs> I don't know what his plan of action is at this point. He was going to then eat the rest of the pie, I think, so he would also die. So he doesn't have to live in a world where he has murdered his amazing, wonderful daughter, as well as his conniving, horrible, backstabbing wife who definitely didn't do anything wrong. And then all of a sudden, the guy who he thought she was cheating on with shows up at the front door. So final ending. Come on in, buddy. Have a slice of pie. Let's bury it under the hatchet, bridge, whatever. What is this movie? What is this movie? (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never been so bored and, like, confused and frustrated in my life. It was watching, like, Norbert the horror film. It's so (laughs) bad. All right. Things I liked. The actress, (laughs) the daughter actress was great. There are some great pie effects. The pie, like, warbles at one point once the blood's in it. It does a cool little, like, ripple effect. That was very neat. The mafia boss, played by Fat Tony. Super fun. Fun guy. Uh, There is a guy who um, the mafia guy hires to follow them around. And, like, he turns up dead or he follows the the, um, Roma people around and turns up dead in a car suddenly and his face is missing and has a chicken stuff in it looked very cool um just like everything else i don't even know yeah it's like what the fat costume's bad the the roma people are played as native americans pretty bad white man from town pretty bad writing through all the way through pretty bad uh the turning against the wife ending with the doctor all very bad his like evilness being played and he wasn't evil he just, he if you wanted this like big like oh and he gets his comeuppance maybe he should have been a little bit more comeuppance worthy they like it was so vanilla like oh i got a parking ticket so i got a curse death curse on me like it's not enough it's just not enough um and also just it's weird. The turn to hate the wife was really, really, really weird. Uh, I've got some trivia if my computer lets me actually use it. Here we go. Um, <laughs> while in production, writer Tom, uh, writer slash director Tom Holland 
Yeah, that's how I feel about this. Was stricken with um, Bell's palsy, a virus that paralyzed one side of his face. Uh, the effects could have been minimized had he gotten a steroid shot immediately, but the producers insisted on him keep working. So it took him 36 hours before, between this incident and him getting to a doctor. And that for where uh, because of that, it took more than a year and a half for him to fully recover. Jesus. Commitment to this movie was hard. Uh, the film was scheduled to open in May of 96, but the studio pushed back the release until October because of ne uh, negative reactions from test audiences who reportedly <laughs> wanted more gore and hated the ending. So they changed the ending. I don't know what the ending was before because I haven't read the novel. I guess it was originally true to the novel, but <laughs> whatever. I guess this was the better version. Um, Robert John Burke actually lost 20 pounds for the role. So that's impressive. Um, the crew actually planned on doing more uh, gruesome effects and makeup, which makes sense. It's a rated R Stephen King film. But they decided that the Bill Halleck, uh, that's the name of the main character, flesh dangling looked too horrific and decided not to do it. Mm. Who pulls back the effects on a... <laughs> what are you doing? What? It's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> Holland actually spent six years producing this film. Um, he was trying to get it made forever and ever and ever, but it actually got delayed, ironically, because the thinning effect, the idea of somebody thinning and becoming gaunt into nothing, um, was seen as potentially um, might... Uh, make audiences not want to go it uh, go and see it because of what was going on with the AIDS epidemic at the time. So the irony of the writer on dying of AIDS. Anyway, yeah, you know what? I yeah. Uh, Michael McDowell, who's a great screenwriter, did actually write this uh, script, but Holland had to do more than ten rewrites before the executives would greenlight it. So that's probably why it went from being a really good screenwriter to a piece of shit story because they just had to keep throwing ink at it until it was, you know. So what do you guys think? Did you like it? In the end, you were glad you watched this. Um, you know what? I have never. I, it was so painful. I, I was like, I kept looking to see how much longer it was going to be. You, you picked this genre. I know. I was so I really should have gone. I should have gone with like the stuff. Which was my first thought, yeah. but I, at the last minute, um, I was really running out of time because of Thanksgiving and everything going on around. Um, I had a crazy job that came through, and I was like, "Okay, oh my god, I gotta, I'm gonna go with thinner because it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a ridiculous '90s, a lot of fun, dumb film." Um, that's sort of like mine was last week, where I yeah. picked the radio broadcast, and yep. by the time I was able to get one, I was like, well, "This isn't very good," but. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to some of the other films I picked up and finding good homes for them in other episodes. I think yeah. it was a good topic idea. I didn't choose yeah, wisely, but... Thinner is a pile of shit, for sure. Uh, the book is good. It's mostly good as a Richard Bachman book because Bachman's books were grittier and darker than yeah. King's. Oh. In that their, his characters were a lot more complex and not necessarily likable. You didn't really want this guy to win. That doesn't work with a movie audience. We have to have somebody to root for, and he's not likable. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the side 
story of his wife cheating on him is actually in the book. She is cheating on him, and oh. she's not super supportive. And that that's made why, way more sense. Why didn't they do that? Yeah, that's why he <laughs> decides to pass that curse on to her. Oh. Uh, the book is quite good. Yeah. If if a little nasty, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. it's mean spirited. Right. The movie is also, but it's also. Mostly poorly acted. Yeah. The direction feels almost like TV direction to me. Right. It, it, everybody is a little bigger than they should be when the camera is six inches from their face, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And so I forgot that it was Tom Holland because he's a good director. Yeah. But, well, maybe, you know, with the health stuff going on, he, yeah. he couldn't really do it. I don't know. It's a shit movie. It sounds like execs were like literally following them around on set and checking in every day. It really feels like one of those films just from the other stories of him not being able to leave set when he was sick and all that kind of stuff. I it, I just get that sense. This was a movie that was originally supposed to be uh, Romero. Directly. Really? He had. That I could see. Yeah, he had started the stuff and then couldn't raise the money. And he's, I think he hung on for a long time trying to raise the money. Oh, interesting. That would have been... would have been a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Tom Holland, like you said, I don't think he was a bad choice. I just think the film was... I don't know. Shit. Yeah. It was shit. It was really shit. You, you give a crappy script to the best director in the world, and yeah. you're going to get a crappy movie. Yeah. I don't care how good the director is. It might look good. The acting might be good. It's going to be a crappy movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, mid to late 90s, not a great time for film anyway. I don't think. I, I agree well, with you. Yeah. yeah, that was a really weird, like, middling period where horror just was, I don't know, it was, it lost its leg. Yeah. Well, what did you guys check out? Hopefully something better than what I thought. Sure, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious well, what you think. I stretched the concept of food. Oh, oh. This movie I'm talking about, she was not getting nutritional value from what she was eating. Oh. Uh, the, uh, what's with me? Didn't write down last week's year. Didn't write this this one down. But I believe it's twenty twenty. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. It's right around that uh, festival run versus theatrical release. But the film was called Swallow. Do I make you happy? I'm the happiest man in the whole world. I feel so lucky. You're not mad at me? Mom, we're pregnant. About what? I just want to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. You couldn't do anything wrong, even if you tried. So what did you do for money before you met my son? Retail, mostly. <laughs> Lucky break. I'm just real grateful. Fake it till you make it. Are you happy? Or are you pretending to be happy?
does it make you feel when you swallow something? I just like the textures in my mouth. Textures in my mouth. It made me feel in control. In control. Uh, I'm right here. Just wanted to make you happy. You get back here with my kid. I did something unexpected today. This is available on Fubo <laughs> or Showtime, or you can buy it for five bucks. I'm like, oh. okay, I guess I'll digitally own this. Mm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score 88 from critics and 71 from people oh, wow. watching it, uh, which, you know what, I agree with. I actually was kind of floored by this movie. Oh. Uh, director writer Carlo Mirabella Davis, which is, uh, this is his first feature. He's done some shorts. Uh, stars Haley Bennett, who um, from, she also has been in the Magnificent Seven remake, The Equalizer. The one you think of. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, there we go. And hardcore, huh? hardcore Henry. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Hardcore Henry. Uh, Austin Stowell is in Whiplash and Dolphin Tale 1 or 2. I don't know what those are. And Dennis O'Hare, who's in American Horror Story, Town the Dreaded Sundown, Dallas Buyers Club. So it's a pretty significant group. Very strong actors. Um, lead character's name is uh, Hunter. She's a... Recently, she marries into a very wealthy family, and uh, in the and very quickly realizes she's married into a controlling, bordering on abusive son of a bitch, mm. and uh, the family is right in step with him. So it's very much the classic: you are going to be the way we want you to be, whether you like it or not. Mm. So the movie starts off with a lot of her being left alone in the house and having no control over her self or her world until one day she decides to swallow a marble. Oh. If you ever played marbles, you'd probably call these like a, a boulder, mm. you know, the bigger style version of a marble. Uh -huh. And it gives her a, an incredible sense of accomplishment, like she actually did something unusual and weird. She almost brags about it to her husband and realizes, I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> and there's great little scenes, like after she started doing this a little bit more, where she's in the, uh, she's out to dinner with the family, and she's telling a story, and in the middle of the story, the dad just interrupts and starts telling his son something to do with business and just shuts her down. She's looking at the ice in her water glass, picks that up, Puts the ice in her mouth. Crunch. <laughs> crunch, 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 crunch. And they all kind of look at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's, <laughs> it's just a great, subtle little scene. The, she is pregnant. So, of course, now there is the, oh, no. I can't, you can't go away even if we start to have problems because you've got my child. He starts off as, is he almost going to be a nice guy? No, no, he's definitely not. When he loses her shit on her because she ironed a silk tie which she doesn't know and uh, gives a great sense of how far is this guy going to escalate? How bad is he going to get as this goes along? 
the house has a wonderfully strange aesthetic. The director said he was looking for something Hitchcockian, and I think he freaking nailed it. Uh, but it also, at the same time, feels incredibly modern. And then there, but then there's shots where the furniture looks like, okay, that looks pure 60s. That looks very 70s. And it's just really interesting to look at, the way the house is set up and the way the furniture is used and the way the people dress. Um, she has a strange little uh, mirror area where she has all of the things she's swallowed and recovered. Oh. Where she keeps them lined up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is, this is like a real disease, right? Yes. Yeah, and it's called uh, pica, I believe, P-I-C-A. And uh, is that part of the disease that you like? I don't know what the keeping part is, but the swallowing the, is. Yeah, I know that especially it's yeah. like not completely unique to pregnant women, but it's mostly pregnant women? Uh, I did not run, run across that, okay. but it, I could see where it would be. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, your fucking body. What is wrong with you? Fuck. <laughs> I thought people just had, like, pickles and ice cream. I don't know. <laughs> what? And thumbtacks. So, oh. <laughs> well, the family finds out what she's doing. And, of course, reacts completely reasonably and is very supportive and helpful. Oh, that doesn't sound bad. Um, Not so much. They hire this really crazy-looking Russian nurse guy to watch over her. He's very cliched of, I can see why you guys hired him. You think he's going to, like, hurt her. Right. Take her to the, they take her to therapy, of course. She goes into therapy. Therapist manages to kick the family out which, and keep her in. But then as you go along later, you find out that the guy has specifically paid this therapy to tell her therapist to tell him what she's talking about in therapy. Oh, Jesus. And the reveal for <clears throat> that, of her finding that out, is crushing. It's so incredibly well done. The performance mm -hmm. she puts out is just like, oh, God. So the idea, because it just she doesn't take to it, uh, the, so the family plans to put her away for the length of the pregnancy. And... Um, <clears throat> it's very strange, so I'll just kind of leave it at that as it moves forward to the rest of the movie. Um, but it is, this is one I kind of watched as a curiosity. It's kind of like, this seems really strange. What the hell is this possibly going to be about? And it is, I found, a comp incredibly compelling story of somebody going through something very weird and unusual. Uh, the <clears throat> the performances are incredible. Like I said, the, the disease, the, not disease, but the... Uh, it's called PICA, so I don't remember if it was P-I-C-A, P -I -C -A, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that exactly correct, because you know how I am with pronunciations. <laughs> uh, the film had a world premiere at Tribeca. Oh, there, here's the dates. <laughs> Real premiere at Tribeca on April 28th, 2019, released in France, January 15th, 2020, and in the U.S., March 6th, 2020, by IFC Films. Mm, Which, uh, okay. Nice release there. Uh, the film was shot in Poughkeepsie, New York, along the Hudson River. It was a house that was rented that then they just made it look like they did. And the main reason he wanted it, because it does, they have an outside shot of it, and he wanted a Hitchcockian-looking house and nailed it. Mm. Like, that house had to be built in the mid to late 60s. <laughs> if not, it was built with them, that in mind. It tied for the highest-grossing film in the U.S. for a week of April 17, 2020, with... Uh, thirty-one thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
<laughs> oh, what a world. Yeah. And then it did some stuff in drive-thrus or drive-in. Uh, drive That's a good idea. Um, so I came across some interesting things. Uh, one of the Barry Hearts of Canada Globe and Mail wrote that Marabella Davis, the director, treats Hunter's behavior with kids' gloves. It is a disorder that the film treats as a fit for gawking and disgust, not anything close to understanding or empathy, which I absolutely disagree with. Mm. I think he completely missed the mark. Um, the idea of the nature of putting anything quote-unquote weird on film naturally becomes exploitative. Because if it's out of what we consider the norm, we're going to watch it and it's going to be, oh my God, this is so weird. But she is treated so by the camera and by the actions, the way she presents herself and withholds herself of finding the strength and swallowing these things to put up with the horrible abuse she's going through, I thought was incredibly powerful. And I did not think it was remotely exploitative. Other than that this is a weird thing we're watching on screen for quote-unquote entertainment. Right. It could have very easily fallen into, oh, what is she going to swallow next? That's actually not the main point of the film. There's not a lot of scenes where you see her, what am I going to swallow? There's a little bit of that, and there's a little bit as it goes along when she tries to fight back from, like, the nurse. And, and it's all handled really well. It's not, you see the lineup of shit she swallowed and a few things she's going, oh, fuck, you swallow that. But that isn't shown in the film. Interesting. That would have made it exploitative to me if they just made it a joke of what will she swallow next. Right. Um, so I don't agree with that at all. The overall feeling I got from the film was I gave it, I really cared what happened to this woman. It was done so well that I really gave a shit and uh, really wanted her family to fuck off. <laughs> and it was just incredibly interesting. It's a little arty. It's a little... As we always say, deliberately paced. <laughs> but I never felt bored. Uh, the radio one I talked about last week with Robin Williams, I felt frequently bored because it just wasn't working. Even when this movie is doing nothing but seeing her sit alone in the house trying to figure out what she's going to do, it still was interesting because it's so well shot and it's so well um, art decorated. The art direction in the film is amazing. I... Frankly, I was blown away by this one. I'd wanted to watch it for a while, so I'm glad you came up with this subject because I, I was having a hard time figuring out how to shoehorn this one into. How, uh, what genre would you classify this as? It, uh, doesn't, it doesn't feel horror, right? Not, no, not really. And it, it doesn't it, feel thriller? or it, Closer to thriller. I was a little bit of the thriller just because of what she's going through, but it's... It was done a disservice being marketed as a horror film. Yeah, because it is definitely marketed a horror film. It sounds almost yeah. like family drama or something. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I kept putting off seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Because I was really disturbed by the trailer. And I was just like, I, just the idea of sharp objects mm -hmm. inside yeah. you tearing up things. It really freaked me out. And I was like, I don't think I can watch a film where like you had kind of that it wasn't where she just eats progressively worse and worse right. stuff. Right. But I, yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's this difference between films being and dealing with sensitive topics and being voyeur, voyeuristic mm -hmm. versus being judgmental. It's like one yeah. thing to show us something. It's another thing to pass judgment on that thing and say, 
yeah, but she's an idiot. Yeah. Look what else she did. Or, you know, not letting her breathe. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to check it out. Although I might put it off for a little bit. (laughs) I'm still terrified about watching. I don't know what it is, but it just wigs me out. It it is uncomfortable. It's, it's a strange thing. It's something we all can relate to. We all have a intimate knowledge of eating things. Yeah. (laughs) And And I think as kids, we all eat stuff we're not supposed to. Yeah. Yep. Her performance is so subtle and, uh, Haley Bennett is so good at what she does that it's just, you want, like you were talking about with Thinner, it's like, I don't like this guy, but I don't hate him enough to celebrate him getting destroyed. You want her to figure out what's going on. And when you watch it and you start to realize, okay, she's swallowing because it's giving her some kind of sense of control of her life. It's something she has complete control over. It's incredibly well done film it's definitely not a horror movie though i would watch it there's thriller elements to it because there's some little chase things that go on and some things along those lines but drama thriller is more where i'd put it in it's probably one of those films that the advertiser looked at and go um (laughs) i don't know what to do with this (laughs) let's make it horror they'll watch anything watch whatever you put in front of them (laughs) I love that. I I feel like there's not enough um, conversation about people who are going through different mental, even if for moments in their life, going through different mental, um, not problems, not illnesses, but like difficulties, Mm. um, like extremes and this sense of self-harm as a way of control is something that I think is dramatized in a very different way. Most of the time, most of the time it's like, Oh, well, they tried to kill themselves for attention right. this week on, you know, kids Law and order. Yeah, exactly. learn uh, after after school special, you know, like it, it sounds definitely like an interesting yeah. a more approach. relatable disorder might have been cutting. Sure. It's very right. similar to that. But I think but I think that's too on the nose. It's almost. been done a little too much. And yeah. it, this was unique. Yeah. So. Huh. Wow. OK, well, interesting pick. All right. Well, I uh, did a little. You know, Google search on freaky food movies and <laughs> came up with something. And I uh, I sent it to you guys first and said, hey, is this going to qualify? And you both gave me a thumbs up and maybe you shouldn't have. <laughs> I chose Uh-oh. from 1987, Street Trash. I don't need this. Are you tired of the same old routine? My wife, my Busting your hump and getting nowhere? This just ain't my day. The boss, is he always on your back? Liza, my ass belongs in your chair, not in your lap, which is where you keep trying to put it. You guys The wife. You know. And the kids. Is that right? They never listen. I hate to see him pissing his life away in that goddamn computer. Do you ever feel like forgetting the whole thing? I think I got it easy. Well, now you can. I'm talking about life! Drop out and join the ranks of the few. The filthy... I got my own place, a condominium. Where else can you live for free and eat for even less? Well, be forewarned. Freedom has its price. Yes, there's always a snake in the Garden of Eden. What you got for me today? Today? Ten or five viper. One buck. Here's to you, pussy. Don't drink my viper. Watch. 
You can't hold your liquor, huh? Street trash. It's easy to find us. We're all over the place. Street trash. Oh, shit. There's consuming in that. I've seen it. There's definitely consumption. I can't believe you chose street trash. Uh, budget of 500000 Box office, I could find no information. I was a little surprised to see, though, that the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 67%. Whoa. And the audience is at 61%. Whoa. Those are very high for this film. Yeah. Uh, this was my first time watching it was directed by James W. Muro, who has done a ton of TV, including episodes of Shameless, Longmire, SEAL Team. But mostly he worked as a DP and a camera, a camera operator for movies like Crash, True Lies, Rush Hour 3, and just a ton of other films through Holy the 80s and 90s. Shit. Written by Roy Frumkies, who uh, is the master behind, behind the Substitute uh, trilogy of films with nice. Treat Williams. I've seen uh, at least two of those. Right. I think it is now a quadrilogy. Oh, man. So, but it stars a bunch of people who did not do much of anything else. Uh, Mike Lackey, who was a special effects guy on this movie, and I was a teenage zombie in 1987, and then didn't do anything else. Uh, Bill Sheppel, who plays a cop in this, and this is his only thing, and he was an actual NYPD cop before he played this. And then uh, Vic Noto, who has 48 credits, mostly TV, but uh, including an episode of Daredevil, The Americans, oh. The Sopranos, Homicide, Life on the Street, stuff like that. He's a big, burly guy, and he obviously plays like bouncers the and stuff like that. Yeah. Oof. This is a <laughs> thoroughly nasty little film. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there's not a lot of story going on here. It's yeah. pretty, pretty basic. Uh, it's a bunch of moments that kind of circle around the fact that a, uh, an unscrupulous liquor store owner finds a hidden compartment in the back of his store that contains a crate of old liquor called Tenafly Viper. And uh, <laughs> he takes a little sip of it. He's like, Ugh, and decides... Even even my seagulls hated this. Stop idea. talking about this movie. No, don't do it. He has opinions. Uh, he decides that you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just put it up on the shelf for a buck a bottle, and most of the homeless guys all around start drinking it and dying in pretty spectacular ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start melting, and not just like they drink it and then it burns through them like acid or something. This has some kind of reaction with your. <laughs> cells or something they don't get into that but you will bleed from the top of your head from your feet from every pore apparently and it happens really quick like within seconds of drinking it i don't remember specifically but is it sort of reminiscent of like the robocop where the guy yeah yeah you you melt and then you just fall apart Uh, and it's and it's in technicolor too it's blue (laughs) and pink and orange it's not the colors of anything inside your skin And uh, there is a tough cop who's trying to figure out what's going on, but he's just about as bad as the homeless people who are all portrayed as the worst of society in this film. There's uh, 
you talk about uh, nobody to like in Thinner. There's literally nobody to like <laughs> in this movie. Um, in fact, there's a scene where I guess he is our protagonist, Fred, uh, comes across a very drunk woman who thinks that he is her date, and she asks him to take her home and have sex with her. So he takes her to the junkyard that he's living in where all these homeless people are living, uh, has very rough sex with her, and then flees when a group of other homeless guys all come upon them and drag her off to gang rape her. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't end there because the next morning he finds her dead in the junkyard and decides to have sex with her corpse. Yeah. So. All right. Very classy gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good main character. Yeah. There's also a scene where one homeless guy gets his cock cut off and the rest of the bums are all playing keep away with it while he's running between oh, them yeah. trying I to totally forgot about that. trying to get his cock back. Very good. Uh, and then uh, it all culminates in a big, huge battle at the junkyard fighting this Vic Noto guy who's kind of like, um, he reminded me a bit of uh, Lord Humongous from uh, Mad Max, too. Oh, okay. And right. he's he's an ex-Vietnam vet who's going through all sorts of stuff, but he's also ruling all of the homeless people in this junkyard city they've built. And it does have a weird, I mean, it's definitely set in mid-80s New York, which is a, yeah. a not very happy place at that yeah. time. Mm -hmm. uh, but this even seems post-apocalyptic post <laughs> in its setting because the junkyard acts as a city itself, too, where all these homeless guys are, are living in various cars and shacks and stuff like that throughout um bad this is a bad movie however <laughs> however i will say this i i found it um reasonably well made on a five hundred thousand yeah. dollar budget i was really surprised at the camera angles they were pretty inventive well. the effects <laughs> yeah the effects were pretty good the effects were shockingly good uh i mean and they're just melting person effects and stuff like that. But this is definitely an exploitation film, you know, and maybe the most exploitation film of all exploitation films. And <laughs> that it's just like, if you, if you like me, like I'm not offended. I was teasing you with the Roma and the gypsy and I'm not offended by just about anything, but I feel like there was stuff in here that you could be very easygoing and still get offended. The, yeah. the gang rape scene, I thought, was um, they don't show the gang rape, but they show the girl being dragged off. And she appears to be in real horror as she's screaming. I mean, she's either acting her ass off or they are traumatizing the shit out of her, oh, which Jesus. I can believe. Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit of trivia here. Vic Noto, who plays Bronson, the, uh, the Vietnam vet who runs the place, the, the junkyard. And when I say runs, he's not owning the junkyard. That's a separate guy who's also vile. So he's like and, and also very rapey. This is, yeah, this guy is just like, yeah, the mayor. He's the popcorn king. He's, um, he's running the, the uh, homeless city that has made its way here. Uh, he was cast a day before principal photography commenced. Wow. Less than 12 hours, actually. And he says, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, nor did I ever understand who Bronson was. I did scene by scene, not even knowing what the movie was about. I didn't read the script until three months after I was wrapped. And I still don't know who Bronson was. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that comes off. Yeah. 
Um, I like this one. The producers were unsuccessful in getting product sponsorship for the film. I don't know Shockingly. why. Mad Dog didn't want in on that. Uh, the only company <laughs> that was interested was the manufacturer of Drake's Cakes, which would send the cast and crew a box of snacks every week. By the end of the three-month shoot, everyone had eaten enough of the snacks and were so fucking tired of them that when it came to make the scene where uh, this big fat guy explodes, <laughs> the fake stomach was filled with boxes and boxes of Drake's cakes for his innards. Wow. Um, here's, here's a fun little fact. Future director and rapist Brian Singer was a PA on this film. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Nice. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I... I looked at some user reviews for this film, and I decided to read one of them off to you. All because right. Because I liked it. This is from Barry Wilson 3, and he left this in April of 2019. Oh. The, uh, the title of the review is You Can Polish a Turd. <laughs> and his review goes this way. A dirty gem that is awfully good, full of guts, slimes, and gore. If you like Citizen Kane, then watch Citizen Kane, because this is street <laughs> trash. Wow. Highly recommended for lovers of trash cinema. And I guess I have to agree, you know, as far as this kind of stuff goes, it is competently made. It looks pretty yeah. fucking good. Mm -hmm. like, so I, I think the, like the comparison to uh, Toxic Avenger. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little better shot than that. Mm -hmm. But that kind of stuff, except for here... Some of the humor is pretty funny in this. There are some funny scenes. And um, if, it, if it doesn't, because it's booze instead of food, uh, if it didn't, if I have to overqualify this film for this topic, <laughs> there are a couple of food scenes. Um, there's a scene at the beginning where uh, one of the hobos is uh, washing, well, you know, he's, the uh, the stereotypical bum on the corner that rushes out to you to wipe your window with a dirty newspaper or something while you're stuck at the stoplight, he is wearing a gun holster on his hip and it has a huge like a leg of lamb <laughs> stuffed in it and it looks kind of like a gun. I mean, it's novelty sized. It'd be something that you'd see Conan, you know, tearing a chunk off and holding the bone in his hand. Um, and there is also a very freaky scene where one of the homeless guys is shoplifting meat from the freezer section oh, of a yeah. store. And he's got so much frozen meat jammed in his clothes that it's actually quite funny because uh, he looks like he's wearing like one of those inflatable Hulk suits <laughs> or something. And of course, the, uh, the store manager comes to, to talk to him about it. You know, are you going to pay for that? And he's standing there with his entire body just stuffed full of meat. Pay for what? <laughs> <laughs> and so there's, there's moments in this film. Uh, there's going to be people uh, like... Like our buddy Craig, who probably loves this movie. Sure. Uh, and there are a lot, I know there are lovers of this kind of oh, trash yeah. exploitation cinema. It's not my favorite, but I do have to say that I, I walked away from this and I wasn't horrified. I was more kind of scratching my head going, uh, how did they manage to do this on such a tight budget? I mean, 87 is yeah. not that long ago. $500,000 for a film was not enough to make a feature-length film. Yeah. So. I have a strange connection to this movie. Oh, right. I met the director at Horror Find. Oh. And crushed the poor man accidentally. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was, it's a film that I'd heard of for years and had just never seen and still had not seen when I met him. And somebody, I forgot who it was, introduced. And, and oh, man, yeah, I've heard of Street Trash. And he's like, oh, really? What did you think of it? 
I said I heard of it. Yeah, I should say, and I stupidly said, well, I haven't seen it yet. And he just, he didn't look, he didn't look like he was angry or annoyed. He looked like I kicked his puppy. Aww. It was such a crestfallen face going, oh, shit. But but I, I hear it's coming there. And this was, he was promoting like it coming out on DVD or something. It's like, but I saw it's coming out on DVD. So I'm going to make sure I pick that up. And I'm going to, you know, trying to recover. It's like, eh, sorry, sir. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's worked on True Lies and yep. Rush Hour and all of that stuff, so I'm sure he wasn't that horrified by it or disappointed. <laughs> um, I think that this is also one of those movies that you can't really... If you rent this and you see the poster, you, you kind of know what you're getting into. It's a bum yeah. in a toilet who's dissolving and he's reaching for one of the, the top handle flushers and his hand has come apart from his skin and, and all this stuff. And... I feel like you see that, and if you go, yeah, I think I'll rent this, then you get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that one was definitely a hard one. Um, so I'm trying to remember what t-shirt company it was, but it was either like Cavity Colors or Bright Rags or somebody was putting out this really cool shirt. Like <laughs> unbelievably fucking cool, bright yellow, bright pink, bright green shirt. And I was like, man, I I want this shirt so bad but i should probably watch the movie first <laughs> and i'm very glad i did i not, do, you, do you you're saying you don't have this shirt in your i actually do not here? have the shirt i'm actually really sad about it because <laughs> the shirt is great this film um yeah it actually made me feel really sick inside and i i don't i mean it was already kind of you know exploiting the homeless exploit i don't know it's just it's so dark in so many ways that I agree with you. Like the effects are fucking phenomenal. There are plenty of moments that actually do feel kind of funny and like you forget what kind of film you're in. And then all of a sudden you get a giant, very long gang rape scene that goes on for a while. And it's just like, what? Well, let me just correct Oof. you. It's just a rape scene it's that a rape goes on then... for a long time. Then she gets dragged off. We don't see her get gang raped. It kind of I, I mean, I felt like it was a white. There was a lot of shots of different people handling her. I do remember well, the this. dragging off is is it was uncomfortable. A, it's, 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 unco that's it what was I'm saying. She looks like she is in real fear for her life. Yeah, it's really it messes with you. And even, you know, like it, it's kind of you could almost get away as like a not enjoyable, but watchable exploitation film about the homeless. And then you just throw in like these horrific sexual <laughs> moments like even the junkyard guy and his mm -hmm. assistant chick who he keeps trying to fuck is like it's just i i personally it's a freezer film for me <laughs> <laughs> for sure but well, i wouldn't i wouldn't come down on somebody necessarily for liking it because i i do see what you're talking about i think for me it's a very personal choice of like what kind of exploitation film are you willing to put up with and right. for me this isn't but but at the same time, there are plenty of others that I would. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you are left. They, the filmmakers ask you to root for the guy who fucked the dead corpse. Yeah. At the end in the fight. And yeah, and <laughs> you're, you're he fucks like, over a lot of people. I'd, I'd too. really like uh, a nuclear bomb to be dropped on this junkyard for an ending. <laughs> that seems like the way they should go. <laughs> it's weird. There's wow. no likable character really in this film. Yeah, even the cop is you know, kind of shitty yeah. asshole cop. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this is a great allegory for 1980s New York. 
<laughs> very, very spot on. It is. I, I did enjoy. There's a lot of shots outside on the streets in New York, and uh, you can tell they're not downtown. But New York was just fucking crime central until you know 1995 or something. Yeah. And whenever who was who was the mayor? Was that Giuliani who came in and fucking cleaned everything up? Somebody. I mean, look, it's hard to remember he's, that Giuliani was also a monster, people. but. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes monsters are necessary. <laughs> oh. Wow. Well, man, thank you guys so much for checking out different I, food I'm just, films. I'm just so sorry that you chose this genre and then ended up with a shit of a film. I thought it was going to be so fun. I was so excited. I remembered the last five minutes very clearly, and I was waiting to get to there. And that journey <laughs> was not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, well, this was an uncomfortable I episode. You're the winner. I'm just, like, I'm just gonna call it. You won. Oh, you're Eric. the winner with uh, the thumbtack swallowing movie. Breaks <laughs> <laughs> my balls. The depression. Call, just thinking about it. Yeah, the, the movie about deep seated depression and uh, yeah. food food issues. Yeah, that's the winner. <laughs> All right. Well, that means it's my choice for next yes. week, you guys. I hope it's something we can find something cheery through. I'm choosing Walt Disney films from the 50s. <laughs> All right. <laughs> done and done. Oh. No, I thought that uh, it might be nice to kind of get back to basics here. And we've we've done episodes on vampires and werewolves and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, hey, we still don't have a mad scientist episode. Ooh. So let's go with some mad science for the next so. It's very exciting. Anyway. Hey, you know, for our longtime listeners, we know we've had, uh, we've done experiments gone wrong right. and things that touch on this, but I think we've got definitely got a. This one requires field. you to have a an inventor or scientist who is clearly obsessed and mad. Uh, he doesn't have to be mad until we are revealed that he's mad, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, so so even something like the fly, I think, would work for this. Goldblum is kind of a mad scientist in that one, right? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. All right, cool. so that's what we're doing next week, guys. Nice. As usual, big huge thanks to everybody who's always liking, sharing the posts, sharing the episode releases. We really, really appreciate it's that. It's time to make Kelly a little uncomfortable again. Let's get out there, get us some five star reviews, and list a movie <laughs> that uh, that. That's right. I'm asking for five star reviews. Honestly, if you want to give us a one-star review, write a reason. I'd be kind of curious. Cause, you know, Have we, we gotten a, any additional one-stars? We got, I think we've two stars the lowest we've got, but they okay. didn't write why. Um, so it's like, you know, we might have something cool that we go, you was, know, what's a great point? It was probably something I said. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you sure. offended people, and definitely neither <laughs> of us would have ever done that. So, And we got more five-star review music to use. So let's yeah, see. yeah, we got to get to all that stuff. <laughs> So, okay, everybody, that's it for the show. We're back next week with Mad Scientists, and we will see you then. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade. It is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and wherever find